I'm going back to my moves. I'm going back to my old ways. I'm going back to my lifestyle. Pulling up back to the North Quay. <coughs> Never go back to my old bay. Nigga, I gotta go up for take. So you know that I'm outside working one. You know that we earn them one. Nigga, we came from none. Know that we serving son. Off this good drink. You know that's the purple one. Walking out the bank with a hundred and sun. Narcotics on narcotics. I just took one. Living like a rock star, but we miss one. My cousin jumped out the car. Lean on my stick like I'm using a crutch Jealousy image of watching you trust True. To infinity, I got businesses Ooh. I got mansions and amenities Take advantage, won't get into me You can plan it, not offend me He's a fan, not an enemy Ooh. On the planet, with the remedy Fuck who started, I'ma finish it finish. I'ma pack out the booth like a spirit Pack out the, pack out the booth like a spirit Four pocket full like I got on a mirror Ooh. Kiss it the level, been loaded for years Hunch of the mayor, the man of the year We put the A on the map for real Ooh. Young rich nigga that made career real. I shop a I nigga, we play so young nigga been rapping the same team like LeBron. It's time to redo my deal. Way before, way before I lost my brother, it's been time to kill. Can't nobody, nobody take this pressure. We apply here. Put it all, put it all on the floor and dress a nigga. It's all real. I'm going back to my moves. I'm going back to my old ways. I'm going back to my lifestyle. Pulling up back to the North Quay. Never go back to my old bay. Nigga, I gotta go up for take. So you know that I'm outside working one. You know that we earned them one. Yeah. Nigga, we came from none. Know that we serve them, son. Yeah. Off this good drink, you know that's the purple one. Walking out the bank with a hundred and sun. Do this shit for the fam. Could this shit bigger than me? Do this shit for the fam. Could this shit bigger than me? Hello. Oh, why, hello.
Thunderous applause and rising orchestral music fades to a low hum in the background. There's a subtle glow as a familiar charismatic voice rises above the lingering ambience. Well, 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 folks, it's me again, retired President Obama with the Chaos Emerald securely in hand. Now don't be too starstruck. We've got a packed episode ahead, and I've been briefed on just how stellar it's going to be. Welcome to episode 62, season six, episode two of Reality Issues. Today, Brian has sifted through towering stacks of newspapers, handpicking the most riveting stories just for all of you. We're talking about headlines, Gosh, subtext, and the untold tales that lie between the lines. And believe me, knowing Brian, these won't just be any stories. They'll be the kinds that make you question, reflect, and perhaps even chuckle a bit. But that's not all. Once we've journeyed through the recent past, huh. we'll be settling into what this show does best, classic discussions. Kathy and Brian, in their signature style, will dissect, debate, and delve into topics that'll leave you yearning for more. Now, before we jump in, a quick word from my fictional life. Did you know I once had a summer job scooping ice cream at a little shop in Hawaii? Ah, the stories I could tell from that adventure. Perhaps one day in my upcoming fictitious memoir, Scoops of Hope, my unofficial ice cream days. But for now, let's dive into today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, hold on to your headphones because Kathy and Brian are about to bring the house down. The energetic chords of the show's theme music start playing. To, uh, at some point I have to today I have to figure out how to connect the second controller because we connected it and it was working and then it doesn't and then that I get mad the surefire way to make it connect is you use the USB cable just to plug it in for the first time and when you turn it on with the PlayStation button it's like synced up then to like that console like permanently yeah. okay that's yeah, a little yeah very rude. It is. Okay. But good to know. Good yes. to know. It's like, uh, it's a, yeah, it's a thing only with the extra controller. Yeah. Dear mom we'll have and to tell you that again later when I can remember it. <laughs> Dear mom and dad, I'm having a pretty good time here at camp. Yesterday we went swimming and hiking. I will write again tomorrow. Love, Sally. PSJF. PSJF? What does PSJF mean? Please send junk food. There's your... That's it. That's what you get from Peanut. Hello, mother. Hello, father. I... Here I am at Pam Granada. Oh, that's right. I, well, these are all old now. One of these will stick, though. I know I saved a few of these that were like, that's literally what I'm doing is going through my stack of stuff I've saved. Oh, good, good, good. Yeah, no, my stack is very good. low, very low at the moment. Um, because I was so focused on the goings on here. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Goings on. Yes. Oh. And connecting the PlayStation. Oh yeah, this is all old. This is all. all no, it doesn't matter. Oh. We don't care. We don't care. I don't care. It, news is news. This is like Jay Leno headlines. 
So this is like, these are all like. I wish I had RV. like little clapboards. I could like. Man, look at this. Man, look at this. Um. That's my Jayleno. I wonder if this stack will do it. So basically, there is what I have done. This is how my I. Jayleno is really good. I think. This is I'm just. What's that? I'm sorry. No. <laughs> You don't have to apologize for that. Um, <laughs> I have this thing about the Cinerama Dome being saved. I have this story about... Um, I have this mm. giant... Which I've, have we talked about reality? The movie about reality winner? The 90 minutes? Like no. Minutes long. Actually, it's like 80 <laughs> minutes long. It's like a really short movie. But it's just about reality winner, who is my namesake online, but is the woman who... Well, you know. mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah, the movie is amazing because it's not about her being. The whole movie is about her at her house being confused about what's going on because they won't tell her what's what they're talking to her about, and she knows it's a mm -hmm. national security matter because it's like people she recognizes from work, but she has no idea. Like, and the you, the viewer, don't know it's a, a national security matter either. It's very, it's very interesting. It's like a, huh. it's almost a horror movie with no violence because it's like mm -hmm. you're constantly on edge. Or you know what it feels like. It feels like the first half or the first third of like that um, funny games where like you don't know like what's oh, happening yet. Yeah. The whole movie mm -hmm. feels like that. You're like, what are they gonna mm -hmm. do to her? Like, what are they? And I didn't know really the story of, of her before I looked it up after I watched the movie. It's very good. Um, I have a bunch of articles here about Barbie, which I mostly saved to have a huge stack of articles about Barbie because it's like stuff from like the New York Times and the Post, obsessing over and trying to spill a lot of ink over. Um, not even any controversy. They're just like, oh, look, here's uh, something about the director's perspective. Here's something about Pink being like, you know, Barbie courts and art. Oh my God, we went to go. See, I mean, we went to go see Barbie and Oppenheimer last Saturday. Yeah. You can tell me anything about that. I'm okay. You can. I'm gonna see them, but. Have you seen them yet? No, no. I okay. thought about going to see them this weekend. Um... I saw... Well, I think you should do it. Okay. We made an Oppenheimer, uh, well, we made a Barbie sandwich, I guess I should say, because we watched Oppenheimer a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. um, and then we watched Barbie and Oppenheimer again on Saturday in that order. So it was like, um, and it was pretty cool because like, uh, Tyler essentially wore an Allen outfit. It wasn't he didn't wear stripes or anything. He just oh. you know, but he was wearing like red Converse and a red striped shirt. So he <laughs> kind of just had a look like you know, right out of a box or something. So that was like pretty that. neat. It was really funny. And uh, but good, good movies. I liked them both. Good. I liked them both a lot. Was Barbie actually. a musical? Um, you know, it's funny. It has musical numbers in it. I don't know if I'd go so far as actually to say it. Ha it's a musical. Interesting. In in the sense that, like, I mean, it had a couple. You know, like I feel like a musical is kind of like a musical the whole way through. Yes, I agree. Not just like a couple, couple of song and dance numbers scattered in, right? Yeah. But there were quite a few song and dance numbers, so that I appreciate. But there was a Busby Berkeley homage, which. I myself, big Busby Berkeley fan. I so I don't know who that is. Or... <gasps> okay, well, okay. okay, hold on. Let me, let me pull up a thing. So 
Uh, here's something interesting that I looked at. I'm just going to toss this one. Below. And we are recording. We yes. are definitely <laughs> recording. Now. I just started recording like right before I uh, connected. Yeah, just making sure, yeah. making sure, making yeah. sure. <laughs> well, a new you generation never know. of stand-up comedians is mining the heart. I have a I have a huge bone to pick with uh, comedy. Um, just as a concept. A new generation of stand-up comedians. This is in the New York Times. This is from I don't know, a few months ago. But I saved it because at the time it made me get the feeling that I got when I also looked at this next article about AI comedy. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start here. I'm not even going to really read the article. I'm going to see if you get the same look on your face and feeling when I kind of read this. I may very well. I, you may. Let me just move this so I can... There we go. Now I can see your screen. I'm not doing anything, so let me stop sharing my screen. Okay. Now. Okay. Grief is a funny thing. A new generation of stand-up comedians is mining the heartbreaking loss of a loved one for ambitious shows. How did we get here? Well, I would say The Moth and This American Life and telling stupid stories in front of a little microphone and trying to make people uh, laugh at your awkwardness. But also, I would say that um, comedy doesn't actually understand comedians, stand-up comedy. I'm going to go on a, a rant here for a second. I believe, as a person who has run a stand-up comedy festival with like 100 people at it and met a lot of comedians, interacted with a lot of comedians over a long period of time to organize that, I think that the entire, let me move this microphone so everyone can be really sure that I'm actually recording this on purpose. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyone who's about to, anyone who's listening to me who's a stand-up comic, I apologize for the course of your life that you've chosen. Um, you may not even, I don't even think that most comedians are fully aware of this, um, but your, uh, your profession, although you may be insulated and protected from this, maybe you're a different kind of person, but your profession sucks. The people that you interact with all the time suck. What you have to do to get work sucks. Going out there and performing for people who aren't even really paying attention to you sucks. All of that stuff, you might as well just go on Twitter and put all your jokes on there because that's exactly the same thing that's happening. There's a bunch of people in there who don't really care about what you're doing. They're drinking or talking to their friends. They're not even really there to see you. They're there to, like, quote, unquote, go to a comedy show to, like, leave the house to do something. They don't really care about any of the things you have to say personally, even though you think in your heart that you're letting out all this emotion. These people care, and they're laughing and being with you. They don't give a shit. And the promoters don't give a shit. They're lying to you if they think that your comedy is good. I've seen the most prolific comedy promoters in our era, like the people who run JFL in like Canada and stuff, they came to our festival at our invitation after we met them at other places and they don't laugh at a single fucking joke at all. They literally sit there to get on to what I'm about to get about. Kathy and I are not comedians. We are funny people, but we are mm -hmm. only funny because we've observed through our lives, what makes people laugh? The patterns of words and things that make people laugh. We know how to make people laugh like the press of a button because, for many reasons, but those are the, that's the kind of person that we are. We can do a lot of things with speech, but making people laugh is one of the easiest ones. And just because you have, I don't know, a tortured life where you can go up in front of a microphone and be like, oh, my wife, oh, my kids, oh, trans people or whatever, these fucking idiots, like that is not a job that is not comedy that's literally begging for someone to listen to your opinion as you're desperate for attention it's not like once you're on video once you're on netflix that's a completely entirely separate discussion once you're on a sitcom once you're in something like that's an entire and you're almost like a worse animal at that point but the realistically getting paid for creating comedy is completely morally bankrupt in this world that we live in in my opinion 
because everyone should be laughing at and interacting with the people around them and making them laugh all the time. And if you can't do that, <laughs> you may become a comedian. And that probably means you're not very funny. And that also probably means that you are a very angry person, which is what most comedians actually do, is they go up there and let themselves release emotion, anger or otherwise. And most of the time, and I've seen hundreds, if not thousands, of uh, stand-up comedians at this point in my life, hundreds live, for sure. Um, most of them are very bad. Uh, when I researched, uh, when I did our casting call for our uh, comedy festival, we had around 350 submitted comedians. We had, a, we had a real struggle picking down to like the you know, 50 or so that we picked. Most comedians are horrible and have no idea. Most comedians are offensive and have no idea. Most comedians are saying jokes from 20 years ago and have no idea. Most comedians have read stuff online and then think that they're funny. In my mind, no one can truly be a comedian unless they're actually an actor and also, on top of that, a writer. And I don't think that most people who perform stand-up comedy actually write their jokes in a way that is actually authentic, nor written, nor their own, nor anything other than reactionary bullshit to what they're feeling around them, which is not what comedy was supposed to be, which doesn't even mean that comedy has to be a certain thing, but I am so incredibly no, dissatisfied no, with everything that comedy really is now. Everything that is called comedy is so completely twisted and warped. And the fact that we look for like rated R comedy movies is our like landmarks of comedy and capital C comedy. The fact that we don't look back towards the actors of the past, um, the 20s and 30s, for example, like I think Kathy might be working up to it. Um, the fact that, the fact that like, <laughs> the fact that almost every uh, physical comedy actor can basically be Buster Keaton now and everyone calls them a genius even though they're just doing the same literally the same shot and actions that Buster Keaton or any of his people and uh, contemporaries in the era were doing for comedy like the fact that you can do three stooges shit like one second of three stooges shit in a show and it's like oh my god that's the peak of comedy physical acting and comedy at once oh my god I'm also sorry, very true is the idea that it's, it's most people can't actually do what the three stooges do no, i say this they put their body as on someone the who is an incredibly giant fan of the three stooges yeah. like i need to see you know I, i'm a big fan of them yeah I, big I, fan. I, have have uh uh we'll even have opinions on the different on on like the differences between shemp curly and curly joe mm? Mm? yes i actually grew up next to um kid whose parents were a big fan of uh, Three Stooges, so I got a lot of, like, uh, exposure to that, but, like, I still can't identify the timeline of when the actors were all together or not, or when each character got swapped out or not. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. That's why... It's where I learned everything I, about I vaudeville. you because you know everything I want to know. <laughs> I know so much. So, hey, so speaking yes, of yes. Uh, comedy of the past, so... Uh, Busby Berkeley yes. is a musical director. Yeah. And what he did was he took all of his knowledge of the theater mm -hmm. and translated it to film, of course. And so some of his 
films are pre-code. Some of them are post-code, as it were. So some of them are pretty racy, as it were, because, you know, ooh, ooh, you can see kind of like, ooh, like the shadow of a nipple or something. Yeah. <laughs> right? So very racy, very racy. And so uh, uh, Busby Berkeley did a lot, a lot of musical numbers that um, he kind of like set this uh, uh, often imitated right uh but never replicated uh very unique because of course it was him so when you start to see these because i've queued up three of them but i've queued up three of them because one of these is of course now our opener as we start uh season six episode two yes a that's right and it's episode technically this one would be recording 62 so there you go or this will be delivered to you well you get it it is, uh, how about this? It's Friday, August 25th. Oh, yeah. There's a date today. You, you have the math now. Do the math at home. <laughs> We're recording an episode now. And this is good. I actually had a lot of fun. Uh, to, for everyone, let me move the microphone closer since we're now, quote unquote, actually recording. Hello, everyone. I had a really good time editing the podcast this week. I hope you had a good um, enjoyment or uh, en- enjoying it in a different format. Please, once again, go ahead and tell your friends. I hope that the notification pings their phone all the time. That's kind of the idea. Um, but also, you know, in more listenable chunks, and maybe it reminds you to go back to stuff later. Anyway. Okay. Remember, we're not in this for the money. Yeah, we're just doing this for fun, and that should be the reason why you're listening to. So. That gives it extra special value, I think. We're Look at Brian podcast. stepping on my lines. Oh, sorry. Did you know that HBO is now <laughs> See, that was what I was getting for us play. Oh, sorry. See, we're not in this for the money. No, eh? no, we're not. Here we go. Gone are my blues and gone are my tears. I've got good news to shout in your ears. The long lost dollar has come back to the fold. With silver, you can turn your dreams to gold. Oh. We're in the money, we're in the money, we've got a lot of what it takes to get along. We're in the money, the sky is sunny, oh man depression, you are through, you done us wrong. We never see headline about red line today, and when we see the landlord, we can look that guy right in the eye. Oh, we're in the money, come on my honey, let's land it, spend it, spend it, rolling around. Here 
Yeah, and so now all the producers are going to come in and be like, how is this musical number going? Are we going to be able to open on time? We need money. All right, ladies, break it up, break it up. You can tell that's Hey, go take that off. Go on. So that was a hey, ladies, break it up. These ladies are allowed to have fun. So that's uh, there is um, there is another. I don't remember where it is. Let me see. Um, so we're in the money, of course, is one of the most kind of well-known songs, and yet most people don't actually know the whole lyrics to it. But if I'm not mistaken, it was actually written for the Busby Berkeley movie. Um. But there's another song called Remember My Forgotten Man, um, which is used in Gold Diggers of 1933, uh, which is, uh, oh my gosh, this one is, is uh, it brings uh, a very odd, depressing uh, tone to the film, not just because of the depression, but because it connects it to the war. Oh. So this becomes a, so, so what a lot of what Busby Berkeley does is there's like a, a film within a film or like a scene within a scene. Maybe it's like a, there's a play within a play, yeah. right? So like Shakespeare plays with that, right? Of yeah. course, but it happens here, right? They're like, Oh, this is the third show I've been kicked out of. Right. And, and so we're actually following the narrative of the young ladies who keep trying to find 
like a big part. And that's essentially the story we're following in the film. The fact that they're in these musical numbers, it's like uh, the storyline, the plot is like the excuse to stage a big old scene, right? But check out Remember My Forgotten Man. Okay.
stagecraft. It's like the same 50 people marching back and forth on stage, though. Moving platform for the film. I think that's what I remember. But now we see the men in a bread line. <laughs> the soldiers being celebrated coming home from the war. Getting the only welcome the soldier gets. that where that came from it makes me realize that um or it makes me think a little bit more about how people in the 20s and 30s were um stormtroopers basically it's like sending people to their death uh, even back then um this busby berkeley film that that one came from was gold diggers of 1933 mm-hmm. um as was the the other one we just saw okay i'll, I'll pull it up on Oh yeah, no, you're um so there are um if if you're also the kind of person who is into physical media, mm-hmm. um I know that I have a a copy of Busby Berkeley Volume One, which is like a five thing DVD set, mm-hmm. which probably still exists somewhere yeah. online. Okay. I know that there was like a volume two and maybe even a volume three, but who knows, right? Who knows where those things are in the ether and, you know, who am I to say what other means you find to look for movies? And they may even be in the public domain by now. So they may even be on things like archive and based on age. I mean, it was, you know, yeah, they're old, old as fuck. So I think 70 isn't 70 years or 75 years, the traditional cutoff if you're not Disney. Oh gosh, I don't remember. I think it might be 75, but. Um, that's fascinating. You know, I never really think too much about the polit- political perspectives of people from the war, well, the early 1900s era in America, and like what they're how aware or not they were of how we were perceived globally or under the propaganda spell of the newspapers. Like, 
that's really all they had. They, there was no outside global communication or anything like that. No manner of achieving perspective, especially for the common person. And air travel wasn't exactly a thing yet in the 30s and 40s. I mean, not, not in the way that it was accessible to the post-war world. But no, I mean that's that 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 that's why the news media became so important. I mean, and movies and books. Movies. I, mean, I mean, those things were important. I mean, all of those things were important, right? Yeah. I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, uh, I mean, not to give away too much about Oppenheimer, right? I mean, no spoilers. I mean, it, it's just a known historical fact. Awesome, yeah. You know, like, I, um, you know, it's like watching Titanic and wondering how it's going to end. You That's know? true. I mean, two of, um, I don't know if I said this on the podcast or not, but both my grandfathers fought in World War II or were engaged in some kind of deployment. Um, and I believe. All of my great grandfathers. But then there was the, uh, as well. you know, but One then there was the post-war, like, uh, commie baiting, right? I mean, mm. and that was also because of who was, quote-unquote, running Hollywood, right? Because that was also who was running, quote-unquote, science. And who runs Hollywood today? And I have a lot of answers to that, I think. But well, I it's mean, not who we think it is. It's not who's portrayed. Well, I think we're. Well, I think I think maybe here's here here's me, the union organizer, saying, "Well, it doesn't really matter who is running it because what matters is who should be running it." Yes. <laughs> and I think that's that. That's how I I, I like to I, I like to manifest things like uh, better contracts and uh, yeah. clockwork orange like scenarios. No. Of houses on Mulholland and things of that sort. I but, agree, you know, though. No, that's me. I have to say, though, no, I, I agree in a, in a way where, we're, like, philosophically, I agree that it is our duty to perceive the world as the improved way that it could be, rather than the declining state that you might see it as. Um, oh no, it is it absolutely our duty. I mean, and and more than, more than that, I think it's also I, I think a personal duty. Uh, to maintain, uh, at least I think I, oh, yeah. I, 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 I struggle to. with maintaining a positive outlook. You know, I have to kind of force myself to stay on the sunny side of life sometimes. So Truly. I feel like the more I can stay, well, let's, shall we say, focused on a growth mindset. Yes. <laughs> Suffer apparently the world of uh, stand-up comedy. <laughs> Just I leashed on earlier. No, I mean, they're truly, that's what I want out of stand-up comedy. I want it to be better. I want it to be something worth appreciating. Or well, worth... no, well, nobody, nobody wants to go to a comedy club to enjoy, <sighs> to laugh. Weird. Okay. Maybe this is the real kind of a thing. Okay. Yeah. You, you know where you laugh? You, you laugh everywhere. Yeah. That's I, I, okay. So I, yes. I have had this, this experience all too many times. Uh, first of all, I have a lot of friends who think I have experience in stand-up comedy because I'm so funny. And I'm like, no, I've never taken an improv class. Yeah. I hate when I'm people like, have I've been, me I've been to like, yeah, I've been, yeah, I've been accused of worse. Yeah, at the Thank comedy you. festival, everyone kept saying, so you're like a stand-up comedian, right? You're a trained, you know, you do improv and stuff. Like, that's how you got this comedy festival started, right? You're doing Fall in the Circuit for a little while. And I'm like, I... I'm just good with spreadsheets. Yeah, literally. Like I was like, I, just figured <laughs> yeah, I, no, that's it. I figured I could like make a couple phone calls and be in the right spot a couple times. That's literally it. Like no one in this town knows how to say no. I'm only paying for ten percent of the show. The ninety percent, the rest yeah, of the ninety percent right. we got from other people, and that was my job. <laughs> like, yeah, looking right. like I had a face. They just said yes. Yeah. Right. So. <laughs> 
and I didn't. No, but like, uh, so, so, um, I have had this experience with a lot of my friends, uh, and, uh, which is that, uh, I guess because perhaps maybe they have a similar outlook to mine in the sense that, like, you just enjoy yourself all the time. Yeah. Like, it just, you know, it's all in your head, essentially, right? So, like, um, if you take a Seinfeld approach to it, not in the sense of being horrible humans together, rather in the sense like, no, we're going to go do this mundane errand together. It goes from being mundane errand to, well, at least you're here with me and we can laugh and joke and catch up and say hello while I return a toaster. And I have to say, I'm literally just learning that like right now. Like I'm learning that in like the last few weeks. Oh, no. It was, it was the whole lesson of Seinfeld, I think. And don't be like them. Them, but better. Yeah, that's <laughs> right? it. But, no, that's really what I'm but, learning is um, like, that's what it, not to interrupt. But that's the thing, right? Really yeah. Well, who, who do you want to even go shopping with? Right? Because most people see that's the thing it becomes like the self-fulfilling prophecy. It maybe it was because nobody wanted to go grocery shopping with you. No offense, Brian. No, I understand. But like, I did. I wouldn't want like anxious people to come with me grocery shopping. It'd be like, no, you're ruining the whole vibe. Like, I'm trying to like just take my time while I fucking have to go across town to get this one type of flower. <laughs> like, no, it's true. I have to think about that a lot. Actually, I have to think about the inverse a lot. Like, as much as I, you know, use uh, Instacart or whatever. Huh. I hadn't considered no, this how is, extremely irritating this is the I self could be no. in a shopping situation. No, this is this is, this is the self awareness. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is the self this is the uh this is the third eye. The third eye looks within. The third eye I I believe, I personally hmm. believe that we have these two eyes to see out. We don't have any really to look inside, but we do. Because the one that we use to look inside is actually this big one that we have here. It's called a brain. And uh, it's hard work. It's hard work to be conscious. And uh, I think it's especially harder now because there's so much signal to noise. I mean, I mean, look at this even perfect metaphor as you shove some newspapers out of the way, right? Out of all of those stacks what percentage of it is ever actually like oh huh that was interesting knowledge to have everything else was kind of like just passing by almost like on a sushi restaurant conveyor belt type of thing and only every once in a while did you go oh huh let me pick that one up a couple right? times a day yeah but otherwise it all just scrolls past mm -hmm. and you you see it you kind of like I know what happens to me is like I see the headline and I kind of internalize it and, and go, oh, earthquake in Myanmar or, or like whatever. Right. And I file it away. And then a day later, like, you know, no damages in Myanmar. OK, great. <laughs> you know, or yeah. Yeah. Now gone out of my, you know, totally. But if yeah, it had been right. like, you know, 10 dead in Myanmar, I'd be like, oh, that's right. Because there was an earthquake yesterday. Yeah. And now I might be like, maybe the cure, you know, I'm just saying this as examples, you know, because I don't know if that actually happened. I just invented that. Yeah. No, you know, knock wood. No offense to, Myanmar. Uh, you know, Belgium. <laughs> Um, 
Kazakhstan, who'd I say? Whatever. Uh, it doesn't Myanmar, matter. I think it was. Right? Like, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. That's yeah. the point. Yeah, yeah. They invented it, right? So it happened in Blistonia. So, um... Wait, do we call them? I, I guess what I'm saying is that, like, with the signal to noise, we have to, like, kind of consciously filter it. Uh, yeah. Even when we don't consciously know that we're receiving it. Yeah, I just tossed out a bunch of papers that I thought I would want to bring up on the show. And once I got to them here, I didn't. I was like, yeah, that's like 80% of the way there, but not enough. And then I now I have the ones that I actually do. And these are only the things that I want to read the headlines of just to share the headline with you and see what kind of reaction you give. Uh, apart from a couple that I actually do want to um, talk about. Um, no, hit me with a Jay Leno headline. Hit me. Yeah. So um, here's a headline. They think that they have a. They think that they have a full count. Well, I'll just read this. Ian inflates Lee County homeless count. Now, I wouldn't read this normally unless it had statistics, which it does, which is unusual because I don't remember there being specific statistics about these kinds of things in our town before. Hmm. At least not reported on the front page. Um, nearly 40% increase seen from 2022 as total hits 820 people. They've, they've somehow identified that there are 820 unhoused people in Lee County, which cannot be true. It has to be way more than that. But um, <clears throat> I'm not even going to read the article because that basically says it all right there. Mm -hmm. um, there are around 300,000 applications uh, to FEMA for assistance from Ian. Ah. And let's not forget that almost 150 people passed away in that hurricane. And yeah. the most insurance companies that were supposed to, uh, well, several insur major insurance companies that were supposed to pay out to people here have gone away to non-existence. Oh. So there's a lot of people here that are suffering that isn't being reported oh. on at all. It's, it's very much like um, Katrina, just on a smaller scale, in that there, there's a lot of disaster and damage here that has been completely forgotten about, even by like local authorities. Like you can go and drive around, and it still kind of looks like October in a lot of places. It doesn't look wow. different. Like there's still boats flipped upside down. There's buildings that are just pushed over and like just been like bulldozered off of the street, but are still just like laying there. It's pretty wild. Um, here's another one, totally different. See, okay, so yes. let me pause Sorry. there. Yes. So, so here's something that I find um, uh, puzzling, mm -hmm. not puzzling to me, not puzzling to me, but puzzling. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess what I mean by that is um, Uh, doing doing what I do, I get a lot of newsletters, news updates to, from a variety of community organizations around town. Um, and through the Department of Health and national efforts, uh, there is something known as the nationwide point-in-time count for homeless populations, unhoused populations. Yes. And so essentially what will happen is a network of nonprofits and churches and health departments and cities and counties and a variety of all of these different people come together and they say, we counted all of the homeless people and here are the numbers. <laughs> We've taken a photo of them and we can tell them apart. That's like basically the inhuman thing they're saying. Um, yeah. But like... 
the thing is, is that like what it means to be so so you may have also heard like people kind of debate what's the difference between homeless and unhoused no I've, um you can tell me about it i i I've... um there's there's debates among sociologists and of course this gets uh, manipulated into being oh this is politically correct language and wokeness and i can't just call them hobos yeah i can't just call them comedians I'm sorry. Yeah, I have to call them the unhoused. I have to call them comedic actors. Right. <laughs> Performers. Um, and, and part of this is because the word homeless is actually is not sufficiently broad to describe the, uh, uh, let's say, the width of the problem. So uh, um, you have described the much wider population of the unhoused versus what commonly we understand as homeless See, homeless is the person is the is the synonym that we would more likely be exchanging with the word hobo right yeah. like truly like a, a, every stereotype brought to life that is there but that isn't the only thing right so uh let's say that you live in a long-term care facility because mm -hmm. you are um disabled or you've been declared mentally incompetent maybe you're just old you're like, i mean and you're you're like you're in a facility maybe but you're not exactly housed you don't have a home exactly you have shelter but you don't have like anything to really call your own right if you're in prison you're in prison but you don't really have a home so yeah. you're homeless but you're not homeless in the sense that you're out on the street right so it starts to become this like well how do we include all of those people because the social services required to get all of those folks back on their feet are actually all the same yes whether they're whatever however way they're entering back into society are they kicking drug habits right because like that's the thing is they're really the same populations back and forth just shuttled from one group to another and we're really just saying no like y'all this is really all the same fucking group right because the moment that like that old person's medicaid runs out we know what happens the hospital dumps their asses on the street and they are now homeless in the way right. that we understand that term but they always were they always were um when you then start to understand that like um so i don't know if you've ever been in this situation it's a very common one have you ever um uh, you know, finished your lease and plan to move in with a friend or uh, move into a new place. And for whatever reason, maybe you had to leave a little early or maybe the new place wasn't ready yet. And so there was a like week and a half of couch surfing. Mm -hmm. Do you know that that's technically homelessness? That's yeah, a weird that, you... statistical thing that they're allowed to do. Well, I mean, technically, but, it is but you don't have a home, right? But yeah. but like, okay, but now but extend you... that, right? Now extend yeah. that, and uh, and now say that, um, hey, I know a friend who is fleeing a violent spouse, hmm. and I'm taking her in into my home as an emergency. Right. So she has shelter; she's not out on the street in this hypothetical example. But guess what? She's unhoused. Yeah, no. Right, because wow. because whatever situation she has with me, in in this sense, it's like out of the kindness of my heart. Yeah. She she's not on my lease, right? 
actually them being here might even be a violation of my lease, right? Because I might have an occupancy limit or blah, 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 right? Like so many other considerations. So now their being here might put my own thing at risk. So now we're both in a precarious housing situation because I'm trying to do something nice for a friend, even though you feel me? Like, do you see how this starts to... Yeah, that's more... It's not a way more complicated, no, not so easy. And so that's a, uh, so so folks who are fleeing domestic violence would have to be classified dead. I mean, not homeless though. They may own their own home, right? They may own half of the home. Right. That's where they get their mail. That's where they're registered to vote. That's where their kids are enrolled in school. And yet this, w- at this moment, from one moment to the next, because usually that's all it takes, wow. right? For them to leave wow. is they, they're now unhoused though. I never thought about it. So, like yeah. So when you crack open the whole wide thing, like then that's when that's also the like um, important, I think, the importance of that precision in language. It's because then you go, oh, shit, I really was not thinking about all of those people. What about kids in foster care? Hmm. Would you say that kids in the system have a home even if they're not on the street? No. Would you say would you say a kid in foster care is homeless? But I would definitely classify them as unhoused, yes. though. Funny how that works, right? So see how the word unhoused is now starting to kind of crack open your whole consciousness of who even starts to live in that world. And so this is why advocates are saying we have to use unhoused instead of homeless because, like, we're trying to get people's minds to expand beyond is it's not that it's like a politically correct term and i don't even think that one is necessarily by by default more expansive than the other it's just we needed to kind of get a new phrase into people's yeah, the word minds to realize to it's go not that it's like more just right. correct like um more right. in, needs accurate to, accurate yeah because there's yeah. lots of different ways there are probably a new way every day that someone can end up without a home or without. What if you're in the barracks situation? Hmm? Yeah, I mean, what if what if you are enlisted in the military, and you are about to go fight abroad, but you're living in the barracks, right? Yeah. You're living on government property. Are you in a FEMA trailer? No. Right. Are you homeless? No. Right. Are you unhoused? I mean, kind of, really. Yeah, you don't I have mean, a place I... you specifically belong to. I mean, you have the services of the military housing you there, so that's like a different thing. But but really, you don't have like a place that's yours. I mean, and your spouse and your kid are over there, right? Right. And then unless you have family off base, like, I don't know. See the, like see how it all, mm, it's so weird. Yeah. It's so weird. Um, and, and some of those folks obviously don't need any support, right? But some of them will, and some of them more than others, right? Like, uh, and at different times, right? Because I'm sure military bases are full of DV cases. Yeah. Yeah, wild. Hmm. No, my brain's just going nothing about, like, the gray area, essentially. The not, like, who is unhoused. That's fascinating. Thank you for talking about that. Well, you know, I mean, this is what Busby Berkeley was trying us, trying to get us to kind of come to grips with, right? Like, who are the forgotten men in that song? The people that it's we not just... in the beginning of the sequence there. Right. Yeah. So all we have all of these folks who have been drafted to go off to war. And so... And the ones that are lucky enough, quote unquote, to come back. 
then have to face the depression, yeah. unemployment, all of that after the war. And then they're going to send their kids off to World War II? Yeah, no, I, I had... <laughs> that's uh, that's I, fucked, three, man. Three of my, that's three of my grandfathers fought in that war. And, well, the one of them on the wrong side, in fact, even. So, or great-grandfathers, I should say. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I looked it up, Ancestry.com. It's a fascinating way to no, find well, out the terrifying I mean, history of your phone family. Well, I mean, isn't this what we... Well, here is our internal eye. Here is our third eye, right? What is our duty and responsibility? Mm. Right? To say, well, never again, right? But now to say, like, well, <laughs> uh, maybe not exactly penance, right? It'll maybe start, not like, know exactly. Thyself, right? Like, right. You got to start there, right? So coming to grips with it, even, right? Like, not denying it is even just, um, even just. The way uh, I don't want to kind of say it like this because it makes it sound like you were being flippant, but the fact that you casually brought it up essentially tells me that you've kind of reckoned with it, you've grappled with it, you've come to terms with it. Yeah, you're not the people ashamed in my life who right, like yeah. I mean, it's not, you're you know, and that's not to say you're bragging about it, which mm. is a completely different word. Right. Like bragging doesn't mean that you're, you know, it means you're definitely proud of it. But to say that you're not proud of it doesn't also mean that you're not ashamed or what. I don't know. You know, they, no. they kind of come in combos and in waves. Yeah. I am. Um... Yeah. I mean, I know that my grandfather was ashamed of it because he changed his last name. You know, so and his f mm, dad. No. Uh, mm. I don't know. His whole his dad's whole family though was like part of the mm -hmm. whatever the HRE was in World War One. Um, well, I dare say the fact that they were ashamed of it helps absolve you of it, right? Yeah, like I if think they so. had they changed their proud, name, they cut it in half. Proud individuals. They cut they cut the name in half. Actually, is really what they did because they figured <laughs> that was enough, and then. When they just decided to make a business, they cut it even more. So it's, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's funny. It's funny to think about. I actually don't think about it too much. Mostly what I think about is my uh, my mom's dad, like, telling a story about being one of the first people to land after the bomb was dropped in both locations. Um, and oh. I think about how he told stories about that very flippantly to me when I was very young, single digits. The man lived until he was 92. He only talked about the war about three times to me ever. It was when he was drinking. And, uh, but he talked about some pretty fucked up stuff oh. after the bomb dropping. I had no, and I know that I would have remembered oh. more of it if I wasn't like, you know, literally like nine or 10. Child. But yeah. he told me some shit. Like, like he saw like some Terminator 2 style shit, like in real life. I don't know how that man ever, like, he was a horrible man in, in life, as it turns out, like as an adult later throughout life, but like, It's like some real, like, you're walking through Fallout and you're seeing these, like, storytelling scenes. You know, like, people make fun of Bethesda for having, like, the skeleton, like, on a toilet with, like, you know, a bunch of food next to them or whatever. I'm like, oh, this guy died in the toilet. Was he Elvis? He's in, you know, Nevada or something. Or, like, who was, you know, they try to, environmental storytelling is what they call it in games. But my grandfather saw these scenes in real life. And I, um, hmm. And I know that that was a thing that many people went through. And it definitely affected that entire generation of men. Mm. Um, not that it excuses anything, but mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all I know is that, like, 
Yeah, we. Uh, he didn't get forgotten though. <laughs> well, you know. No, he had to run away. From those, I mean, but uh, I mean, right? I guess that's kind of the point, right? I mean, if they didn't get you with the war, they got you with the economy, right? So, I mean, they end the, you know, they no, they I, keep the stuff through Vietnam, I, and I, then what? Do, I would tell you a lot more of the story if we weren't recording right now, and I will tell more <laughs> of the story once I've told Kathy some of it and made sense of it more on my own. Because <laughs> uh, my grandfather is an extremely complicated man who I hate, but I didn't hate him my entire life, and I didn't hate him until recently because um, I didn't know everything about his entire story. But he is a fascinating man with a fascinating life, deserving deserving of anger and hatred, I would say. But um, were America to have made, <laughs> were a book to have been written about his life, it would have been very successful. If you didn't well, know the I mean, truth I, about I think what he these did. are the he could have been celebrated. These are as an the American stories hero. of America. These are the stories of America, though, right? I mean, yeah. these are the stories. He was of, celebrated as a hero by the end. That's of who these people, of, of who all of who all of our ancestors were, actually, right? I mean, like, there's there's a there's the unfortunate reality that, of course, we're all kind of a warmongering people, even if we, you know, we try to say that some of these rights are more righteous than others and you know the reality is that none of them are righteous at all right we shouldn't be fighting over a goddamn thing no. the fact that we have to fight defensively doesn't mean that that makes it any better right, right? like it's still a consequence of the first original problem right yeah, like you're still but infinitely preparing for a conflict that you assume will happen at some point and cause right i mean it's, hopefully it's just not tomorrow that's like it's it's why right it's why the spanish were able to divide the americas it's because the aztec had been warring on all of their neighbors and a bunch of their neighbors did fucking resent them as assholes right so like you know maybe if they hadn't been assholes the spanish wouldn't have been successful they everyone else would have been like who are these guys true. right but true. you know so in some ways you know if i'm supposed to say i'm gonna keep the side of my own street clean that's the internal lie right i have to say i refuse to participate in any of this nonsense whatsoever um i refuse to uh um i i guess uh have something like a. Like here's here's a real solid example, okay. Uh, my husband and I were recently discussing whether or not I was, we were either of us, both of us, one of us going to change a name. Oh yeah, I was actually thinking about that myself, and I didn't. I remember thinking like, oh yeah, we never even talked about that or thought about it, or I never asked her. So here's 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 the challenge of a name, right? A, a name, of course, identifies who you are, but usually, you know, of course, it's also assigned by the family. So it's got some, yeah. perhaps some, if not some kind of deeper significance, at least the one, it's the name my parents gave me, right? Yeah. So this becomes complicated, I think, especially when you, uh, you know, let's say have a less than stellar childhood, um, but more to the point right like so i carry my father's last name a man i don't particularly care for um right. you know an understatement indeed yeah. right yeah. so that's my last name i have no middle name which brings me to my first name a name i'm not even supposed to have either because it wasn't the name that they had agreed to have it was the name my father 
secretly gave the nurse while my mother was still under post-cesarean section. So even my name Kathy isn't really the name I'm supposed to have. It's supposed to be Michelle because I was supposed to be named after a Beatles song. Oh, I know that. Which is great and everything, but I could you imagine me as a Michelle Garcia? It just doesn't sound right. It just doesn't seem correct. But Kathy Garcia wasn't really supposed to be my name either. So I don't know really what it was supposed to be. Um, Anyway, so if I have everything or. Well, see, that's the thing is, I guess I have I have a it's more it's I guess at that point, just a question of convenience. Right. Like, well, everyone already knows me as me. All my documents already say me. Right. Like, I don't have to change anything. I don't have to fill out any forms and duplicate, triplicate. I don't have to go see any lawyers or pay any fees. I could just literally leave it alone. What difference does it make? Yeah. Yeah. It's true. You know, um, so then, of course, it's only like it, so then i was like okay well what if what if i i dove into the history and looked at my mother's side and i'm like well i don't really like my mother's side either and she didn't like her father for her own reasons so i guess all of those names are out i'm like so what fucking name i'm like i, I don't know where does that leave me like nameless you know <laughs> nobody i'm like does that mean truly i i take my husband's name but that I, I saw Barbie. I don't really like doing that. So, you know, that's not something I'm going to be <laughs> completely amenable to. I would rather it be like an exchange somehow. A portmanteau, a hyphenation, like um, even a drawing by lot. I would be, uh, you know, like, let's put them in a, let's put a bunch of letters and like make Scrabble names and see what happens, you know? <laughs> we'll make a Bananagrams game out of it. Whatever. Pull out right? all the like, last names of someone who's murdered someone famously. Right. But even still, <laughs> right? Like, that's the thing is that, like, I still have nothing to put into the pot, even if we were to hyphenate or portmanteau or to, like, whatever. Mm. I'm like, well, what would I put in there? Well, I'm like, mm. so it just, you know, yeah. like, uh, maybe it's just a bunch of blanks and we just call those vowels, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Right. Like, that's insane. Pull a scrabble so, bag and. <laughs> yeah. So it just, uh, uh, I think all of that is connected to what it means to, quote unquote, honor a family, right? Like, Hmm. um, not just in the decision to carry a name, but like whose name? Am I carrying my grandfather's name? Am I carrying my uncle's name? Am I carrying a name because they saw it on Monty Python or a Beatles song or whatever, right? Like, uh, did they really like uh, Harry Potter? God forbid, right? That they name their kid, like, you know, Gryffindor or some shit, right? I would kill myself. But I would at least go, well, you know what? Maybe my parents were big Harry Potter fans. And I'll remember that till the day they fucking die. You imagine? I'll picture you with the wizard hat. I'm gonna on. be like, nah, I was born way before Harry Potter ever ever came out. It's just maybe like what if I change you know how like in office space that guy's name is Michael Bolton and shit? Yeah, like what yeah, if yeah. I... my name is Rita Hayworth. <laughs> Actually, you know what? You could get away with doing that, and I think anyone younger than like fifty, well no. They <laughs> would not know. They'd be know. like, Oh Rita. Yeah, I'm like Margarita. Yeah, totally. You could yeah, it's short for Margarita. Margarita Hayworth. That used to be a popular name. <laughs> hey, Margarita. what's that Margarita worth? 
I like this concept though. I like the idea of like, um, like owning your own name and like a or consciously taking control of it. even if you kept the same name you're like i'm consciously making this choice <laughs> i like that let me get a or like uh, saying uh, like you know what i really did like my other uncle i'd rather be named after his ass you know <laughs> like, you know that's actually kind of fascinating too i never thought about like an adjacent name or something like that yeah i don't know because i don't think even my parents really like the name either so much ultimately i think it's an annoyance to them so like how would you let me ask you something. if every single exactly. time you ever gave your name and someone's like how do you spell that does that like i hate that i hate it so much i can't even I, there's no way i can pronounce it so that someone can spell it yeah okay they so, get confused uh, or they try to spell it a different way even if i pronounce it the phonetic way people are like wait what so i i so i'm ready I, to scrap I, it really ultimately let's pretend you have no idea who i am and you've never seen my name in print or anything mm -hmm. like that like let's say uh i'm ordering a, a cake or yeah. going to the receptionist at the jiffy loop right whatever mm -hmm. and of course i'm like okay like after we've had the chit chat of the services and goods that need uh exchanging for cash or whatever mm -hmm. uh They'll be like, okay, so what's your name? And I'll be like, Kathy with a C. And inevitably, even when I say Kathy with a C, which is incredibly quick, mm -hmm. they've already started writing the K. Because <laughs> yeah. they hear Kathy and they start writing the K That's and it's incredible. like instant. And, and I'm like, Kathy with a C? <laughs> and they like, they like instantly oh, no. like, got like, uh, Okay, so that's what. I like that. I like the Kathy. Um... And then, and then, yeah. and then. Okay, so yeah. I don't think that my last name is really all that difficult. I no. won't say it here. Yeah, but, I had to um... edit it out last week. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you, yeah. thank you. Uh, but <laughs> I will remember that. By the way, my credit card number is four three zero zero. Although it was appropriate time for you to say it because you were pretending to be like at an official place. You're like, <laughs> yeah. this is my name. And so it makes I hope it, you but... just bleeped it or I, whatever. No, I, I cut it out so it sounded like you said, and my name is Kathy and I, like it went straight oh, okay. through. Like you didn't even break the <laughs> sentence. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you. It's amazing. Thank you. That, that's movie magic for you, friends. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. No one at home noticed, I guarantee you. It's like super quick. Oh, I have another story to tell. Okay, hold on. So, and then so please uh, my last name i don't believe is all that difficult to spell even if it is vaguely ethnic mm -hmm. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> i'm sorry i have to laugh at that <laughs> so <laughs> okay okay i can control myself now um, let me see. I'm looking. I'm looking at my bookshelf Sorry, and trying to think of like an author whose name I could steal. Uh, oh, none of them are good. Anger is what I'm seeing here. Uh, you know what? Kenneth. Yeah. Okay. Kenneth. Yeah. Anger. Yeah. Kenneth. Uh, Mr. Kenneth. Kenneth anger, uh, indeed. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Hollywood Babylon himself. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's right. that is what is on our shelf anyway. So. <laughs> yeah. 
So yeah, those those have some of the very similar phonetic <laughs> groupings <laughs> to my last name. So uh-huh. Kenneth Anger it is. So let's pretend my name is Kathy Anger. Uh-huh. And so uh, most of the time, of course, I can say that and people are like, uh, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, and they know what to do, right? Especially where I live. It's a very common kind of last name. It's really not that strange. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was this one time. Yeah, I was really confused the first time I watched a few <laughs> things. Yes, continue. I'm sorry. I there's, some t- there's sometimes when I just out of habit and especially if i think the person is stupid and i'm really sorry to them but it's just i don't really think about it either sometimes i just do it automatically because i'm like i don't have time for this like there's the line is long i don't want to risk for you doing it wrong so i'm just gonna say kathy with a c Uh and then say my name and then spell it anyway i do the same thing with my last name so (laughs) i don't even give him a chance i just spell it and so one day I started spelling my last name, which, as we established, is anger. Mm-hmm. And so I started saying, yeah, my name is Kathy with a C, anger, A-N. And then the person cuts me off and goes, I know how to spell it. <laughs> <laughs> which is great, knowing what it really is. Cause... And I was like, you, like, in my head, I was like, you know... That's like more rude and more time consuming than literally just letting me finish. It is. <laughs> it so is. It requires extra energy to be like, mm, yeah, I, mm, I got it. Like, wow, you're an asshole. Couldn't let me say three more letters. Like, well, you're the one who asked for my fucking name. If you don't like it, like take it up with your manager. Like, why am I even giving? Why are you even asking for it? Why am I even giving it to you? And then? sometimes people spell that name differently. Up to you. <laughs> I've seen it. It doesn't matter if it's there. the same way. It doesn't matter if my name was Brown, Kathy Brown. Yeah. Kathy with a C, Brown, B-R-O-W. Kathy, stop. I I need to cut you off. I know how to spell your name. I know how to spell Brown, okay? I know how to spell it. (laughs) Oh, did you know that there are more than 4,500 Starlink satellites in low Earth orbit? I did not know that. Isn't that crazy? They only launched twenty. They launched twenty-two the other day. Um, post this story, this is from like a month ago, but um, they launched a total of forty-five hundred of them. As you can see in this map, this is crazy. I'm, I'm only bringing this up because it's big, like growing news, and I. Uh, I do no, I can to, see it. I'm trying to close our episode a little bit. Uh, oh, I see. This, those red dots <gasps> are Starlink satellites. Isn't that crazy? Can you believe that there's entirely global coverage now of these satellites? Like, you know, our only hope is that they like will break easily. Yes. As <laughs> okay, well, here's the thing: to launch many satellites into orbit to do all this shit, they had to make them like microsatellites. Mm. Um, and that's how they actually get them to spread around. The delivery me- delivery vehicle goes across a path and slowly like distributes them. You know, when they move into position or whatever, but. They have to be microsatellites, and they are these kinds of technologies are not hardened exactly in the same ways that larger full-size like GPS satellites and stuff are from um, electromagnetic fields and stuff. Uh huh. 
Which is great because it means that basically once we get to uh, convert it to satellite internet in 10, 15 years when all our phones and everything are running off satellite and we're not on towers and stuff anymore, uh, as soon as a, you know, a solar flare comes by, literally all communications will just be fucking gone. That'll be great. No, seriously. Okay, I, I, this is no. This is where I literally. I was trying to look for a clip, but I was looking for. I, I think I found. Oh wait, no wait, that wasn't it. Hold on, that wasn't it. Hold on. Oh, but you couldn't really hear it. I guess maybe. Hold on, but I believe I did find what I was looking for. Ah, uh, yes, yes, I did. A media clip would be a great way to close this out. Oh my gosh, yes. No, a media clip to close us out, and it's totally related. Are you ready? Yes. Yes, you are. My favorite Miyazaki movie. Yes, tornado balls. Uh, that is the clip from Twister where they released the tornado balls into the air. And when you said mini satellites, that was all I could think of. Okay, <laughs> next song up to close us out. Now that we have had the right to flower, the knot is tied. Just come back on Wednesday when we'll close like the next the hours, right by your side. The honeymoon store is one that you adore. I'm going to take you for a ride. I'll go home and pack my panties, you go home and get your scanties, and away we'll go. Ooh. Off we're gonna shuffle and shuffle off to Buffalo. To Niagara in a sleeper, there's no honeymoon that's cheaper, and the train goes slow. Off we're gonna shuffle, shuffle off to Buffalo. Someday I hope we'll be elected by a lot of baby clothes we don't know when to expect it but it's a cinch we shall know for a little silver quarter we can have the pullman porter turn the lights down low mm -hmm. oh, we're gonna shuffle shuffle off the buffalo shuffle off shuffle off shuffle off shuffle off the Perfect. Even when they're racist. Well, music Man commented on that when they had the uh, most recent production they went to. They inverted a different time. Yeah, they inverted a lot of stuff to adapt it. When she knows as much as we know, she'll be on her way to Reno, but he still has dough. She'll give him the shuffle when they're back from Buffalo. I'll bet 
It's like a train trip with you. You were just people watching make up stories about you. Why these broads getting sharing that with me um and thank you everyone for listening this is an episode this is the end of part a and i hope that you enjoyed listening to this in our new format um and the great thing about this is i get to restart mentally with every episode so hey if if i was frustrating you with how angry i was about comedians or uh my grandfather being a horrible piece of shit then um the next episode i won't be talking about that so Hey. We'll find completely different things to be upset about. Yeah! All right. Goodbye, everyone. See you then. Bye. A soft reprise of the show's theme swells, signaling the episode's end. Ah, and there we have it, folks. Another cosmic journey through the vast expanse of human emotions and the quirkier corners of our shared reality. This is retired President Obama, powered up by the Chaos Emeralds, hoping you had as much of a blast as I did. And let me tell you, nothing quite compares to warp speed travel except maybe the joy of sharing this episode with you all. Today, Brian and Kathy delved deep, didn't they? Took us through a maze of sentiments, news from Brian's stacks, and some side-splitting humor. Who knew the world of curated newspaper stories could bring such enlightenment and giggles? And speaking of memories, did I ever tell you about that time I accidentally got locked in the Smithsonian overnight? Well, let's just say the Hall of Presidents was more interactive than I anticipated, but that's a tale for another day. As you head back to your daily lives, let the melodies of laughter and the harmonies of thought from this episode accompany you. Ponder, chuckle, reflect, and then eagerly await our next gathering. Because trust me, with each episode, the adventures only get wilder. Remember, always hold on to laughter, even during the deep dives. And don't forget to share this emotional roller coaster of an episode with a friend. But only those you believe are ready for this celestial podcast journey. Until next time, keep your hearts light, your minds open, and your Chaos Emeralds charged. Farewell, stargazers, and stay luminous. A 
final flourish of the piano fades away, the episode gracefully concluding. 